Hello and welcome to the Oval Ball podcast, the show that takes you inside Welsh rugby. Coming up, we'll be delving into Warren Gatlin's final Six Nations squad, finding out just what it takes to prepare for the Northern Hemisphere's biggest prize. And we'll be looking back to 1999 when Wales ended their long-running hoodoo against the French in Paris. That's all on the Oval Ball. Hello, I'm Nick Hartley. Joining me today... Uh, I'm Dean Thomas-Welch. And on the sofa with us, uh, a man whose uh, career history reads like a who's who of Welsh clubs, a man who's played for uh, Wales... The British and Irish Lions, David James. Dav, good to see you. Great to be here, guys. How are you keeping? All right? Very well, thank you. Yes, looking forward to the Six Nations, which is a, upon us once again. So it should be exciting. And uh, especially with the World Cup looming, I think it's a, a little bit of edge about this one. So uh, no one wants to give too much away too soon. But uh, certainly one of the best tournaments in the world without uh, argument. Absolutely. And uh, it's come around quick, uh, as always in a World Cup year. A um, lot of focus on the summer. But first things first, Warren Gatland has selected his squad. Uh, it's had a few few new names in there. Um, injury has forced his hand in, in many respects. What you made of it, Dav? Yeah, it's a balanced squad. It's not uh, too far away from uh, what we'd anticipated, to be quite honest with you. What I'm particularly impressed with, he's, he's brought in Thomas Young, who I think has been exceptional this year, uh, uh, playing for Wasps and uh, has now got his recognition. But I think it's a balanced, uh, balanced selection and I'm pretty sure everybody's going to pay a pivotal part in this. I suppose everyone will be thinking... What's Gatlin going to go for his back row in that in that game against France? Because you know there have been a lot of injuries. I read somewhere on them um, from our colleagues on the on the Western Mail that it's the first time since two thousand and nine that we haven't had either Warburton, Faletau, or Lydiet. So it shows how pivotal those three have been over the over the last ten years. But there's going to be some interesting selections. Yeah, I think. You know, we're blessed in that position, haven't we, uh, over, over the years with a plethora of uh, exceptional good open sides. But, I th- you know, I think it may be a little bit too soon for Ross Moriarty. I do believe he played on the weekend, but uh, coming back from a, a serious head injury um, and obviously with a, the head injury sort of protocol they got now, I think he'll possibly start on the bench. But, you know, what I'd probably go for is uh, Navidi, Tipperick and uh, Wainwright, possibly. However, I do believe that Thomas Young has been playing... Um, exceptionally well for, for Wasps throughout this season so you know he may be edging there but I think Warren Gatlin go for tried and tested with Navidi, Tipperick and uh, Wainwright Is this more or less the World Cup squad as you say it? I think uh, yeah it's pretty much so I don't think he's going to go um too much away from this really I think he wants to blood his players in he doesn't want to bring in uh, too many wild cards out of the blue he may try one or two throughout the duration of the squad with a, with a joker card but yeah I think this is pretty much uh, what we'll see in the World Cup uh, in Japan later on in the year you know you, you definitely had Falatau to that when he when he oh, that from, from, from that broken arm but just going back to Thomas Young he really has caught the eye this season hasn't he I saw some of his tries last night a bit of a highlights reel of the tries he's scoring for Watson he's very much like like an outside centre he's got that step quick turn of pace when he gets away there's no catching him yeah, he's probably got that from his father, Dai. He was, <laughs> <laughs> was exceptionally good at sidestepping and uh, running over people. But, you know, <laughs> in fairness, uh, I think, yeah, he's got a, a deceptive turn of pace and he is very much uh, in the mould of a, a Justin Tipperick, dare I say it, with, it was, with his handling ability. You know, I know he's got uh, two other brothers who uh, have obviously brought him up uh, as well. And, um, 
yeah, I think he's played it exceptionally well. I think he's got that edge, that dynamic, uh, dynamism about him, and uh, he certainly uh, put his hand up. And I've been very impressed from watching him in the in the Aviva Premiership this season. And uh, I'm I'm delighted he's actually in the squad. But uh, I think, like I said, I think Warren Gatlin likes his tried and tested, and I, I don't think he's going to go too far away from uh, the named. How surprised you that he hasn't? got a shout so far in the squad because I mean this is it's no surprise that he's been playing well I mean everyone in Welsh rugby English rugby and beyond really has spotted him as being someone with test calibre his dad's been telling everyone more or less every press conference you know how hard he works and and, and what he what he brings to to that setup and yet he hasn't quite got the nod until now is that I mean, is that just a sort of the situation and the, the sort of the, the plethora of options that we have with the back row? Or? I, do, I do, I do believe that we are blessed in the in the back row. Um, I think you know, in years gone by, um, we've we've had a number of players. We, we've just talked about uh, Sam Warburton going out, and it doesn't seem as though we've missed him that much uh, from a leadership figure, obviously. But you know, and he is a world class player. But yeah, I, I've I've heard a lot about Thomas Young. He's he's meticulous with his approach. He's a he's a great professional. Uh, a player his trade very well up in Wasp and you know obviously his, his father's going to push him a little bit because he wants to see him out there in the red shirt for Wales and uh, yeah rightly so I think he does deserve to be there and um, you know but I, I just think the circumstances unfortunately are that uh, you know he's playing outside of Wales and uh, and that's what's happened because we don't see Rhys Webb, uh, Webb in there shall we say as well so look uh, it's it's one of the laws that they brought in and I think it's a bit of a political uh, political point Let's talk fullback. Obviously, Lee Halfpenny's had a, a significant amount of time out, the sort of injury which these days no one messes around with, and, and rightly so. It throws up an awful lot of questions, doesn't it, if he's not fit for Paris? What, what, what does that leave Gatland in, in terms of what, what options does he have and, and how does that balance look in the, in the back division? Yeah, it's a big blow, isn't it, for Lee? And, uh, you know, he's been out for, you know, must be nigh on seven, eight weeks now, isn't it, he really? So that must have been a, a big, uh, big blow to his head. I thought, I think it was quite, you know, I, I didn't have the, the, the privilege of what, well, I say privilege, the, the, the footage to watch it again, but it looked quite innocuous, uh, you know, in, in normal speed. But, uh, you know, it just goes to show the impact and the physicality of uh, Monday uh, professional rugby, really. But, uh, yeah, that is a massive blow because his world, he is a world-class player, especially with his kicking ability, his long-range accuracy, his sublime. And uh, but I think you know, with the likes of Liam, Liam Williams, will will probably fit into the the back uh, back in, in fifteen. But you've also got the likes of uh, uh, Gareth Anscombe, who who can play fifteen as well. And uh, is it Reese Patchell's there as well? So he has got a couple of options. Ideally, you'd want your your world-class number one, and and that would be Lee Halfpenny. Gatlin does like Liam Williams on the wing, doesn't he? It, it, when there's a choice between uh, Halfpenny and Williams, he will, he will always go with Halfpenny. You'd say Liam Williams probably offers you a bit more going forward with ball in hand. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Liam Williams. I think, uh, you know, he's got that majestic sort of approach and uh, fly by the seat of his pants sort of thing. And, uh, against New Zealand. Absolutely. It was, it was from nothing, really, wasn't it, really? And, uh, you know, he just picked his head up, he read it, which I like. I think that's that's missing in the modern game a little bit. I think we're a little bit too structured. I think you need to have a little bit throw caution to the wind. And people like Liam Williams get bums on seats, did I say it? And he gets that 
that element of excitement and something we we in Wales are synonymous for having is a bit of enterprise and a bit of yeah, composure in that back division where we can throw caution to the wind. So I I do. I'm a big fan of him. And, and like you said, yeah, Gatland seems to think Liam's a better winger. I personally don't think he is. I think he's a, be- he's a better fullback, but he's a very talented individual. If you want to see him creating havoc, then you need to get him the ball. And I think at fullback, he does command that. And, uh, you know, the only thing that's edging uh, Halfpenny in my eyes at fullback is his kicking ability. If we say that Anscombe is going to be 10 and that's the way it's looking, is there an option that Patchell could maybe go in at 15 and, and, and Liam finds himself out on, out on the wing? Yeah, there is. Uh, there is that. And, you know, what a, what a great position to be in for Warren Gatland and uh, his, his coaching team to have so many different combinations. And I wouldn't be surprised if we, we see them testing players out, you know, possibly not so much in France, but maybe against, you know, Scotland or, or even Italy, should I say it, uh, you know, and just tech, te- uh, testing different uh, partnerships out. But uh, there is that. But I still believe that Liam Williams will uh, probably figure in that back three. So plenty of decisions for Warren Gatland to make. Um, nice position to be in in lots of ways, uh, but lots of things for him to plot over the next few days. And uh, this is what he had to say about the shape of his squad uh, just after the, uh, the launch of the Six Nations. We've created a lot more depth uh, in the last two or three years and it's been a conscious effort for us to uh, to try and develop that depth in the squad because, uh, you know, as a small nation like Wales, um, you pick up sort of injuries to key positions and it, and it can be costly. So uh, it's something that we've been working hard, you know, particularly since the World Cup in 2015 uh, through 2016 and... Um, the, the, during the, the Lions um, series in uh, 217 and then the last couple of seasons as well so well, we feel like we're in a, a pretty good place at the moment in terms of the strength of the squad and the run of wins that we're going on we finished second in the Six Nations 12 months ago and and so we feel like uh, we're building nicely towards you know, hopefully a good Six Nations this tournament and, and a good 2019 the first two games in, are, are away if we can get off to a, a really good start and win, win those first two and then we've got England and Ireland at home with, with Scotland in between so we kind of feel like uh, you know, this is a tournament of momentum and um, if you can get some confidence and we're probably out of all the teams in the competition we are probably the, the, the team that thrives the most on, on momentum and confidence and uh, so if we can get a, a few wins under our belt we think we'll be um, and build some, build some winning, a winning streak and continue that winning streak as the further this tournament goes on we think that the harder we will become to beat So there we are um, look, Warren Gatlin's got plenty to, to mull over Dav um, has he got anything to prove to anybody after all these years with it being his last six nations or has he done all of that I think it's an interesting question there, Nick, isn't it, really? I think, uh, you know, it's just down to himself. I think, you know, the coveted uh, prize, should we say, is is the World Cup. World Cup, And uh, he's got his one eye on that. And I think he's probably have a little bit of a play it down. No, no, we'll just, uh, if we get to the quarterfinals or yada, yada, yada. But I think he'll have one eye on that and, and rightly so, because he's looking for an opportunity to coach New Zealand. There's big, no, no bones about it. And uh, the only way he can really make the New 
New Zealand public stand up and take attention or pay attention to him is probably to get that World Cup uh, from a personal standpoint he's got Wales third third in the world where you know we, we take that um, you know our defensive qualities have been sublime with Sean Edwards and I think you know he's going to be wanting to go out with a big bang and uh, they would have talked about it I would have uh, would have thought that the backroom staff have just been mentioned in the World Cup but they, they will have a plan in place ready for that and uh, they'll see themselves picking up that cup because uh, when he announced he was going it was very much the sort of narrative was around having a break wasn't it a bit of time away from rugby and the closer we get to this summer there seems a you the, the, the odd little drop I haven't had a concrete <laughs> offer yet the odd little job sort of starts <laughs> creeping in doesn't it it's the it's CV's like, out for every yeah, press conference it's all of the most public CV's going yeah well he's short of a couple of quid isn't he really? <laughs> <laughs> you've got to toad to around a little bit man but uh, yeah well look I'm not, I, I don't think he's going to be short but I think he's going to be in a position where he can pick and choose and I think he's wanting uh, New Zealand to come in and uh, you know possibly make him an offer I I would think coaching Wales is the route to the uh, New Zealand job of course it is yeah you come in you, you coach Wales with a New Zealand accent and that's where you want to go but yeah look it is he's, he's a proud New Zealander you know he, he sat behind uh, Sean Edwards for a number of years and the only way he can really get to that all black shirt if you like uh, is is to coach and uh, he's certainly going to be wanting to do that and uh, you know he, he's coaching Wales at this moment in time so let's hope that he, he produces the best we can this year are you surprised that he's sort of putting himself in that window given the relationship he seemed to have with at least the New Zealand media when he was over there with the Lions because I mean it's fair to say it was fairly rocky isn't it yeah yeah there was a little bit of uh, yeah I, I don't think he uh, got on too well with them and uh, I've not seen too many clown noses do you know what I mean yeah. like, that's the only time I've ever seen a clown's nose in well, a press conference I'm glad, I'm glad he wasn't taking himself too serious there I think uh, fair play to him to having a little bit of a banter about it shall we say but uh, yeah look the press can be quite skied and I think the New Zealand press in particular can be pretty ruthless and uh, just the way that you know he's, he's he's changed the way that Wales have played I think it's not conducive to what New Zealand want however um, with Wales we, we're third in the world as I alluded to at the start and that you know it, it is what it is and you know we'd rather have wins than losing all the time and uh, be sixth or seventh in the world so I think New Zealand uh We'll, we'll be there or thereabouts on the sheet. I think he's one of Wales' best ever coaches. Well, he's, he's certainly got the track record, hasn't he? And uh, if he comes away with the with the World Cup, uh, he's he's got to be, hasn't he, really? So I think success rates, um, yeah, he, he's there, he's up there. And, um, yeah, he's certainly got a little bit of strength and depth. But the, it, it's weird. We were talking off air a little bit about the, the, the Pro 14 and how, you know, sometimes the, the games are a little bit lacklustre and then they come into the Wales sort of environment and the whole ethos changes. And it's, uh, you know, they kick them into, into gear, shall we say, and everybody just plays beyond expectation. So he's obviously got a little bit of something about him. I think the key factor there is Sean Edwards, dare I say it. And, uh, you know, he's got that root less sort of hard edge about him is, is that the legacy that he will leave behind do you think to Welsh rugby because it, it, it seems to have been a cultural shift with, within that group as you say that players have have got physic, physically improved results have largely improved over a period of time is, is that the kind of the, you know the relationship off the field with the regions and everything which, which kind of went along with that I know it's not down to one person but clearly he's in such a pivotal role that he's had a huge impact on Welsh rugby 
Yeah, well, he's influenced uh, a number of players and the key players, you know, the Wales squad in particular and, uh, you know, several other players who've, who've just parted company, really. But, it, yeah, I think, you know, the legacy he leave is, is a, you know, a new breed of professional athletes with a, a, a zest for, uh, you know... Uh, their own self-ownership, uh, really. And, and I think that's what they, they've taken upon themselves, really, to be meticulous in their approach. Their recovery protocols are, are sublime. And obviously, sports science has played a massive part in that. And uh, it's whoever looks after some, themselves the best uh, normally comes away with the spots. I suppose when uh, Wales name their side on Wednesday, the French will be quite glad that you're not on the way. You've got some history there, haven't you? 20 years ago now. It must seem like a long time ago. 1999. Sorry to remind you that. 20 years. <laughs> Wales and London. Obviously, London don't, for, for, for 20 years. <laughs> I don't look that old now, obviously. <laughs> no, I shaved the whiskers off. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the French would probably want to see me on the wing, actually, because I'd be too slow. But uh, no, no. The, uh, yeah, great. F- fond memories. I can remember back in 99, really, when we went there and we were up against there and we were on the back of a, a bit of a winning streak with Graham Henry's men and it was turning around at ironically that was the World Cup year as well uh, when the stadium the Millennium as uh, uh, you know it's called the Principality now was being built so we play in our home games in Wembley and that was uh, sublime really and uh, special moments but when you when you look at it we were going to Paris and uh, it was mentioned on, on the build up to it that we hadn't won since well 25 years is it really so there was a big sort of monkey on our back really and we were going into the game and we always knew having played against the French teams you you let them get the tails up and you'd be chasing shadows and you know once again they, they were synonymous for the, the flair the the uh, the alley alley the, the way they're throwing the ball around and uh, when the crowd starts getting behind them you know it's always a very difficult encounter and we went in there and we went into the the cauldron on, on the night before really or the afternoon before because as a pro player uh, some people don't realise that you you know you try and mimic the environment the day before so you get yourself into that that mindset so you, you prepare yourself and we went there and we did a walk through and you could just sense with the guys that you know this this was you know an opportunity that we didn't want to throw away and you always know them coming into the game we had the bus in we, we stayed out in a, a, a suburb out, out away from all the medley and then we come in there and we seen the euphoria that was built up there with the, the sea of red and uh, the daffodils and the copious amounts of red wine flying around and we thought right you know this could be our day really and uh, we went on to that field and uh, yeah we just seemed to click it was an end to end game I think if anybody watches back on it it'd be a couple of uh, red or yellow cards potentially <laughs> with the letter of the law now but uh, yeah, it was a physical game it was a bruising encounter the crowd turned against the French then we took uh, took uh, our opportunities and it was end to end stuff and uh, I can remember they scored a, a penalty and then we we kicked off I had a long kick took someone down penalty turnover Neil Jenkins then sat in the pocket bang over three points it was end to end stuff and uh, great memories and, uh, and we come away with the win and uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to squeeze in in the corner uh, from a Neil Jenkins pass Good night afterwards Exceptional night afterwards <laughs> yeah yeah. We, we, we seemed to have a couple of drinks it was more protein shakes and, <laughs> than Juan uh, Rouge and Pro- Mont Blanc Protein shakes in bed by nine was it? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was quite weird really once again we were talking about it a little bit earlier we, we went into the town I think we stayed over by the Louvre on this particular occasion and we went there and it was 
very French she was we, we went into a nightclub and there was an ostrich in the nightclub a live ostrich <laughs> and, uh, I thought there's some funny white wine going on here but, and then I can remember uh, you know a couple of the boys and we're chasing the ostrich around and uh, gonna, we won't go say, into it too much and ostriches in <laughs> clubs probably uh, you know, not a good mix it's normally sheep but no the ostrich was having it that night but no no it was uh, yeah it was a great memory I was 15 and I was in Paris I was on it Stop showing off. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a sixth form rugby tour, and it, you know, it was 20 years ago. Um, but we were all off a ticket. Yeah, only only one player actually took up the opportunity to go to the stadium and 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 and, and watch that game, and that was uh, Richie Pugh, um, who I actually turned out played right. for Wales. Yeah, so it <laughs> yeah. turned out right. That's probably why he played for Wales, and the, and the rest of us didn't. Missed out, Dean. You missed out. If, if only, if only <laughs> gone with that ticket, I would have played for Wales. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, it's changed now, though, hasn't it? Because I saw the end of that game recently on, on, on YouTube and it's quite striking how jubilant you were when the final whistle went. Everyone was hugging. Scott Gibbs made a beeline for the changing room straight away. He was pointing, let's, let's go to the bar. You know, let's, let, let, let's not hang about. But on Friday, if Wales beat France, you probably won't see those scenes, would you? Not, you know, the, the, the ecstatic scenes of hugging and jubilation. It's, 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 it's more like expected, isn't it? Now. Yeah, it's expected now. Yeah, it is. I think, uh, you know, it got the monkey off our back in 99 and then we went and won again then in 2001. And uh, Wales since then have seen to, you know, got good track record over in Paris. So, but I think, you know, it's the first game. Wales obviously need to get a win. And, and you're quite right. They won't be all that jubilation, even if they win, um, which I do believe they will. However, they got a job to do. There's, uh, you know, another few games and another four games after that, really, where they, they're going to be focusing on. They, they, they're very professional in their approach. They're meticulous. They go straight back to the drawing board. You know, they'll have their ice baths, their recovery shakes, their compression garments, and they'll be back in camp before you know it. And they'll be flying back to Cardiff ready to go for the following week. So that's where it differs yeah we were ready to go again but uh, no, after, after, no no uh, <laughs> after a uh, copious amount of wine yeah is that how much do you look back now at you know it, it's it's 20 years ago I mean it probably feels like yesterday to you but when you when you look at how how elite rugby's changed off the field do you recognise the game and the team, the environment that you played in in today's setup? I think I think some players probably would have fitted into that environment, but um, you know, look, it was different. It was uh, more geared. Um, well, we were pref- professional. I think Graham Henry instilled a little, you know different aspects from the visualisation, you know, which we'd never heard of before. You know, doing the NLP uh, from your conscious to your subconscious, visualising and uh, talking about being in the zone and not choking in circumstances various sports psychology sort of uh, information there really but you know so he brought that in so it was the start of things and Steve Blackboard in masseuses and different things like that we didn't have you know the ice bars initially and so on and so forth but yeah some players would have fitted into that environment but other players probably would have struggled it's, it's fair to say looking at the rest of the the, the competition, the tournament, it, it's a good start for Wales if they can get going on Friday, isn't it? Italy up second. It, it, you, you can find yourself in week three there really hitting the ground running. Yeah, exactly. And it comes thick and fast then, you know, with a, with some of the big boys then, isn't it, really? So I think, you know, get this one out the way. And I'm confident they will. Italy shouldn't pose too many problems. Unfortunately for them, they've not really set the Six Nations on light, uh, light for, well, I don't think they have, have they? Let's be fair to say, unfortunately, which is a 
disappointing, really, from from their point of view, and, and disappointing for European rugby. I think uh, we need a strong Italian team just to throw another cat amongst the pigeons, really. But I think Wales, they get this win under their belt. They'll have, yeah, look, they'll, they'll be going in there. I hope they're not too blasé uh, coming up against uh, Italy, and they have a work-like performance, which I'm sure they will. And um, yeah, they, they they could be sitting very pretty after two games. And is it is this championship as much about setting the tone for the summer as it is winning it or or are those two things quite closely interlinked well I think you've got to set the tone out haven't they really and uh, you know it's very much a cliche isn't it every game as it comes and and, and it is correct um, he's going to want to win I think, isn't yeah it? he's going to want to win he's, he's going to want to win the Six Nations first and foremost he's going to set himself challenges himself and, and as a team within the camp they'll be sitting there and doing their um, you know uh, setting out their goals their objectives and, and this is going to be one of them really the Six Nations he's going to be he's not going to be looking too far ahead to the World Cup he's just going to want to have an injury free campaign uh, you know inevitable uh, that one or two players are going to pick up a that can't happen, can it? No, These it's days. inevitable that uh, it's some players will. But if he, you know, the likes of Alan Wynne Jones, that'd be a big blow if he if he gets a bump and uh, you know can't compete or he has shoulder injuries or whatever and some of his key players really if they, you know, bigger and players like that and uh, well, Gareth yeah. Davis is doubtful for Friday. That's a huge blow. Obviously with Reese Webb not available. It's two, it's two big experienced nines, isn't it? Yeah. He, he potentially losing in quick succession. I know I know Gatlin really likes Thomas Williams. But it's a big test for him, huge test. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Thomas Williams. I think he, you know, when he played uh, last season in particular, I thought when he when he came on, he, he did ignite it. And you know, you got Ali Davis, who's who's got a a whole number of caps under his belt as well. So you're not lacking in experience there. Yes, they're not Reese Webb, and yes, they're not Gareth Davis. However, I I am particularly impressed with Thomas Williams. His his aggression, his ability, his service. He does look dynamic, and Ali Davis is a good a good player as well. So you know, let's not knock these two guys if Gareth Davis doesn't play once again we've got a bit of a plethora of uh, scrum halves really and look if there is a big injury issue I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Reese Webb would keep his phone on but I suppose if we do win the Six Nations or we do win the Grand Slam that would mean victory over Ireland which would be a fantastic result because arguably Ireland could be the number one team in the world certainly the second best team in the world so that would really set us up for the World Cup you know it'd be difficult to look past Ireland has probably been the bookies' favourites going into this. Yeah, well, I, I, I'd have to agree with you. Um, I've been particularly impressed there and uh, the way that Ireland have played as well. I think they got, they got uh, issues as well if they if they have a bump with Johnny Sexton, who's pivotal and uh, pivotal in in their uh, approach. And uh, look, what a finale that would be, wouldn't it? Wales Ireland. Um, you know, Ireland aren't going to be too far away from the World Cup semis. You know, when you look at it uh, uh, pragmatically. Um, and I think Wales have got to go in there brimming with confidence I think you know if we can get a, a scalp against Ireland at the, at the end of the Six Nations campaign which is possible it is possible pr- providing some of your key players aren't injured and, and we keep our form and I'm, I'm pretty sure as we, we've, we've said it a number of times here that Warren Gatlin's got his eye on, on the ball here in particular and um, you know he's going to be wanting to go out with the Six Nations and go out with a bang yeah, look, it makes for a fascinating uh, championship, a fascinating few months ahead as we, as we look ahead to the, the World Cup, which will be uh, live on ITV uh, as well throughout it. Um, look, plenty of decisions to make. It's going to be an exciting night in Paris. Dav, you going? 
not unless you're going to take me over, Nick. Uh, you know. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. No, no. <laughs> Just being <laughs> honest, it's awkward, isn't it? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to work it up next time. We, we're going, Dean, are we? Uh, yeah, we're going. We're going. We'll, take, we'll bring you something back. Oh, yeah. Cheese or something, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Forget. From a rat. From an ostrich. <laughs> ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if we can track him down. Look, that's all we've got time for uh, this episode of the Oval Ball. Remember, um, if you've got time, hit subscribe. Give us a quick review. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts back as well. You can find us all on Twitter. I am Nick underscore Hartley 2. Oh, my handle. Uh, Tested you. At ITV Dean. At ITV Dean. And Dav? The consulate professional. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. He's on there. Search David I'm James. Ju- I'm just on there. Just search David James. <laughs> just find him. I don't know. Just you caught me on the <laughs> <laughs> I don't bother if you don't want to. <laughs> That's all we've got time for. We'll catch you soon. Bye-bye.